0: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District, this is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones.
1: everybody we welcome you to this week's edition of the front row tom
2: and keith back with you kj how are you doing wonderfully thank are, you are you all situated i'm all situated i'm trying to get the car to, my, my chair sits lower than yours and it bothers you and it doesn't? bothers me it
1: bothers you to know that uh that that i'm head and shoulders above here and in the driver's seat is that what it is in life and in chairs you know when i uh yeah i'm fairly vertically challenged i mean uh people no, who know you're me, just too
2: short for your weight well that's
1: definitely true <laughs> that that one is definitely true back in my tv days uh fortunately i never worked with anybody that was really tall but it was always a game amongst the anchors that you would be uh moving your chairs up and down to try and be at the same height and then we'd shoot promos occasionally and uh one weather person who who was vertically challenged uh, literally would stand on a box when we would take the shots to to make them the same height. So
2: there you go. There you go.
1: Anyway, bottom line, folks, if you can picture this, Keith is like two feet lower than me right now, the way these chairs in this new studio are shaping
2: up. I look, like, are Richard, shaping I look up. like, for our longtime listeners, I look like Richard Merrick at a school board meeting. Now, you got to be real that is, longtime Leon County to remember that. <laughs> that is an old school
1: reference right there. All right, so the mood has changed dramatically just in one week not that it's amazing not that it's a complete surprise but obviously baseball is where we're going to start tim linafelder seminoles.com insider will join us next segment and we'll talk baseball and softball and track and everything florida state if you look back last week i think we were both probably 50 50 wouldn't have been surprised if florida state won the regional wouldn't have been surprised if they didn't win the regional i definitely am surprised that they won it with the relative ease uh, with which they did.
2: Recall that this time last year, or last week rather, we were talking about the fact that the the, the big boys that, that follow college baseball were thinking that the Tallahassee Regional was maybe the second or third most competitive regional in the country. And for Florida State to go in and win it the way they did, 43-44 runs, scored uh, three games with relative ease uh, in a region that was supposed to be competitive – I think just uh, exemplified how how radical this change has been coming out of the momentum started in the ACC conference. Uh, conference it tournament. really
1: started the week before against Miami. Th-
2: that's true. You, I correct you. You correct me. That, that is also accurate. I started the week before, but but it's just continued to build and 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 multiply, and you know I, by no means am I predicting that Florida State will go down and sweep Florida in two and. Head off to, to uh, the College World Series, but but now they got a chance.
1: Well, and that is the reality that next week we could reflect back and go 180 degrees back the other way. Uh, that's sort of the nature of fandom, if you will, as you look at this. I, you mentioned the combined total score from the game. The reality is, when you get in these four team regionals and you're the top seed, you're supposed to win the game one. It's against a much lesser opponent, so really game. But
2: the starting pitcher. Right, they won what thirty something consecutive games with him as the starter. He was sixteen right. and, and zero or seventeen during that timeframe. And frame.
1: Florida State has pl- played a lot of close Friday night openers over the years because that four seed has had a good pitcher, no exactly. question. But really, these regionals come down to game two, and nobody, not even Stephen Wells, would have predicted that he was going to hit a three run homer that all of a sudden gave Florida State momentum and off they, his own face. Because by the time if you're if you're if you're in the winners bracket. By the time you get to Sunday, you have such a pitching advantage that quite often the scores get out of hand there if somebody's going to cruise through undefeated, which is what happened. Agreed. Agreed. I was, I was looking back and thinking about this. This goes back a long time, but before we got to the four-team regionals and then the super-regional round, you used to have six-team regionals. And Florida State routinely hosted those and routinely uh, would advance on to Omaha from those because there wasn't a next step. But then the pitching was even more magnified because you had to win four to get through. And so the Saturday game, if you got to 2 and 0 in that tournament, by the time you were playing game three and four, somebody in the loser's bracket was onto their fifth starter. I mean, it, it was just such an advantage. So Florida State had the blueprint, they always hosted, they went an awful lot. Now, since there's been an additional round added, it's gotten tougher because you come out of the region. It hadn't been gotten tougher to get out of the regional. FSU does that routinely. Save for little blips here and there, but it's gotten a little bit tougher to get to Omaha because now you're truly getting in a best of three series as FSU's facing this weekend against Florida.
2: And, and uh, you didn't ask me, but I'll tell you anyway. I I prefer the way it is. I, I you know I I never thought that the sixteen regional and then advanced to Omaha was. I mean, I, and I like what they did in Omaha where they went to the to the pool play and then it's two out of three. Uh, for the championship i I think the the over the years they've learned how to run those tournaments and and structure those tournaments correctly i like the way it's set up you didn't ask you didn't ask but i'm gonna tell you
1: no but i did i was going to go down this road because there is some talk uh, take the four team regionals if you added an extra week to the season you could have 32 host sites in round one and just play a best of three series Uh, and it would be more traditional baseball leading all the way up to the tournament format I, th- these are the you know the college baseball guys we're sort of kicking some of this around. Jeff Cameron's a fan of that because you get a truer test, if you will, in terms of playing a team for a three-game series.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and, and you didn't ask me this, but I'll tell you, but in terms of moving the season, I, I don't have a problem in the world if they're playing the College World Series in July. The kids aren't in school anyway. Nobody takes summer classes. So by the time you get to the end of May or the middle of May uh, in some cases, you
1: know you're just playing baseball well really quite frankly it's the start of may in florida state's case because the spring semester's over and a lot of the baseball guys i mean they go on to play well they have to wait for the draft if they're turning pro but if not they're going to the cape or they're going to alaska or they're going to the northwoods league and they do that as soon as the team is eliminated so uh, i can't speak for all of them but a lot of times the guys aren't even in class at this point of the year if they've passed enough hours over right. the course of the right. year there would we talked a little bit about this last week i don't know that uh, Pro Bowl would certainly not be in favor of playing the Omaha thing in, in July. Well, and they're, I, they're I, not in favor of moving the draft back either, but I think they ought to do that. So I, I do think I, I wouldn't be opposed to moving it back, say, 10 days or two weeks where you would roll 4th of July weekend into the College World Series championship. That might throw a bone to the northern schools. If you if you didn't start the season till March 1st, say, two weeks later, but you wrapped it up and 4th of July weekend was incorporated, of course – who needs to throw a bone to the northern schools? There's not enough of them and enough clout to really <laughs> cause them to reinvent the wheel on Well, that. they would tell you that's Expect-
2: because of the weather. If we'd had 50 years' worth of the weather you've had, we'd have built our programs up.
1: Yeah, I mean, this year it was clearly uh southern team, southeast, and ACC. And as you look at who advanced, the SEC gets five through to the next round, the ACC gets four through. Uh, NC State, bad pun intended, truly snake-bitten here two years in a row after their coach got bit by a snake a couple weeks back. But... uh <laughs> I don't even want to think about what they're going through. They they've got a lead with one out in the ninth, and then a rain delay, and you come back the next day, and you just relinquish the lead. But we don't have to we don't have to cover NC State there. But I think the, the bigger picture to me is that Mike Martin continues to know how to win the regionals, and you and I run into people who say he can't win the big games. He's won an awful lot of big games. Uh, they used to say this about Bobby too until he won the championship. So Mike Martin and Bobby had won plenty of big games. He hadn't won the biggest game, if you will, the national championship game, and that's the same for eleven now what florida state has not done very well is in the super regionals they're 0 for 4 away from home and they've only won one game in a super regional away from home that was the very first time they played on the road that was 2001 they lost a, re- a super regional at georgia since then they went 0 and 2 at arkansas and they've gone 0 and 2 at florida twice and they're staring at florida this weekend in gainesville you're nodding you're
2: not saying anything it's 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 and very large mountain but we do have what do you call them, a shepa sherpa sherpa we we now have a sherpa <laughs> and we have a chance i don't know what you call it in wildwood <laughs> well, but if you were att- aren't you amazed that i even knew something like that i don't have
1: mountains in wildwood if you were attempting to scale everest don't ask for a shepa
2: okay because <laughs> then
1: you definitely have no chance to make it up and down <laughs> and it's been a treacherous year there not to make it, light it, of that it
2: has been you're exactly right
1: um well, I think the I'm trying to think of the most. So, what's the most surprising thing for this Florida State team coming together? Is it that you look at mid May and you're kicking around these midweek games, and then you lose a series at Duke, who, by the way, did make the tournament this year for the first time since the '60s? Uh, but then suddenly they found a light switch, they flipped it on. They lost the series against Miami, but as I've detailed, I thought they played pretty well. In played that very series. well. Played very well at the ACC tournament. Played well in the regional. Is it more that? I think for me, it's Dylan Busby. I think we've heard all along these freshman pitchers, we're going to be good pitchers, and now we're starting to see that. It doesn't guarantee success this weekend. I haven't really heard anybody suggesting that Dylan Busby was going to hit a home run or an extra base hit every other bat, which is what he's done for
2: about the last 10, 12 games. Well, we talk often in sports, particularly at the college level, about the light coming on and some little something occurs, whether it's football or basketball or, in this case, baseball, the light comes on. And for several of these kids, you know, over the last couple of three weeks, the, the light switch has ter- turned. And the biggest part of that, and you know this because you've covered Florida State baseball forever, it's all about your confidence. It's all about your thought process. I mean, baseball is like the game of golf. You're, you're going to achieve what you think you can achieve. I mean, what you really think you can achieve, and and the confidence of these kids has returned. And 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 you put all that together, and you get on a roll. And that's wh- that's where Eleven's team is right now, in my opinion.
1: I'll quick story, and then we'll go to break here. I need to. We should have Chip Baker on to do justice to this, but I believe it was the 1997 season, which is the year that JD drew was ridiculous. Drew wasn't having a good preseason and apparently there was a conversation about, you know, you're going to be ready to be go and JD said something to the effect I'll I'll flip the switch when it's time. So Chip put a light switch in his locker that didn't do anything, but it was a switch, up down switch. Never said anything to JD, JD never said anything to him, but the entire season if you if you checked his locker during the game, the switch was up and after the game the switch was down and chip chip can do justice to that story but he turned that thing on every game the entire season and had uh, one for the ages all right tim lennefeld will join us uh coming up as we'll get back to the current edition of the baseball Seminals, which despite dylan busby's heroics at the plate does not have a jd drew in this lineup but is playing some pretty good baseball right now stay with us as we are just getting cranked up here on the front row yeah.
0: to The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, only on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Here's Tom and Keith.
1: We welcome you back to The Front Row. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Time now for our Seminoles.com Insider Report, which means gracing the airwaves once again. The one, the only. Tim Linnefeld. Tim, how are you?
3: I'm doing good, Tom. How are you?
1: Good. We were just discussing in our first segment how last week you boldly predicted that Florida State was going to sail through the regionals and and easily handle uh, all three teams in the regional and advance to the Supers. Congratulations. Just as we all suspected, right? Just as we all suspected. Well, what Keith and I said was a week ago, we would not have been surprised that they advanced. We would not have been surprised if they didn't advance. And then a a Sherpa came up. Yeah, and that's a whole different story. (laughs) But I think uh, we're both surprised with the relative ease uh, at which they advance. What about you?
3: Yeah, for sure. It's funny, you know, and maybe this is something that's unique to baseball more than other sports, but it's funny how quickly things can turn, right? You know, a few weeks ago we were trying to figure out what was wrong with this team and if there's anything that could be done to to sort of salvage the season. And now here we are uh, fresh off just really a dominating three days in the NCAA regional, which, you know, had some, some talented teams. And, uh, you know, at one point, I think some of the baseball America guys and D1 baseball guys project this is the, the toughest regional maybe in the tournament. Uh, and so for Florida state to make quick work of it, it, it's pretty impressive. And, and you can tell it just sort of has them, you know, maybe feeling a little bit better about themselves as they go into games. Well, obviously it's going to be a challenge, but I think that they feel like they can be competitive.
1: Well, the thing that's turned for me in that regard, I mean, we discussed last week how when the pairings were announced, you know, nobody made a sound when it was out there that FSU was paired up with Florida. So that's sort of a, a, and I don't want to speak for them, but when you have that kind of reaction, it's almost like they're mentally defeated ahead of time. Then you go out and play as well as you did this past weekend, and I feel like that's completely turned on its head, and now it's more like, hey, we're playing well, we got a chip on our shoulder, we know they're good, but let's go see what we got.
3: Is that fair? Absolutely, Uh, and, and I think a big part of that is, you know, look at how many contributions, They've gotten from young players, some freshmen, some sophomores. Uh, I know the sophomores were down there for the Super Regional last year, but by and large, you know the young players, especially the freshmen, don't really carry that same burden, if you will, that some of the maybe the older players do. You know, a guy like Cal Raleigh or, or Jackson Luke or, or your starting pitchers of Tyler Holt and Cole Sands. You know, maybe the, the, the weight and the pressure that some guys might normally feel from having struggled against Florida for the last couple of years of their career. I don't know that those guys feel the same way. And when those players, one, are confident, two, are able to back it up by by hitting and pitching and playing the way that they have recently, uh, it can make for a a pretty good set of circumstances.
2: I made the comment in the first segment, uh, Tim, that uh, much like golf, uh, baseball is probably the most mental Uh, of the of the larger team sports and and you know just one guy catching fire one guy seeing the light I mean it 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 becomes contagious just like the reverse of it becomes contagious these kids are just walking around with a different uh, giddy up in their step right now
3: yeah it's funny what hitting six home runs in one game will do for you really
1: yeah that'll help so how do you explain Dylan Busby and what's going on with him right now Tim
3: well, you know, I, we've actually I've asked a lot of questions to a lot of different people about that uh, over the last few days, and we uh, got some pretty insightful answers from Dylan and from Mike Martin Jr. and from Mike Martin Sr. and from some of his teammates. Uh, he'll tell you that the biggest thing that, that he has done is, is learn to be patient at the plate, learn to lay off pitches in the dirt, uh, learn to be more selective at the plate and really kind of narrow his own strike zone. And even if you know, a ball is going to strike, not a swing at it, uh, if, if he can't do something, with that. I mean, you know pretty pretty basic baseball stuff. But we've seen what the results are uh, when he's done that. And then the other thing I thought was the uh, insightful was talking to Mike Martin Jr., who of course is the team's hitting coach. Uh, he said that, that Dylan would love to sort of overswing and, and, and swing around and he'd get way out in front of the ball uh, and, and miss it, or you know, not make good contact. Well, a few uh, weeks ago, uh, he, he took a ball off the wrist and kind of dinged up his wrist a, bit, a little bit, and as a result. Uh, he wasn't able to swing the same way that he was before. He had to shorten his swing and get a little more tight with it. And uh, and as a result, uh, it, it, it sort of corrected the problems that he was having. So uh, this injury that he had was a blessing in disguise. And now that he's feeling better, uh, not only is he swinging more properly, but uh, he's he's swinging with a, a lot of power and, and, and seeing really good results. So kind of an interesting little... Uh, Little term event
1: there for, and, and now Mike Junior is in the cage throwing at people's wrists that have the same issue. <laughs> Either right? that, or
2: take a hammer and just have them all put their hand down <laughs> on a desk or we'll something. We'll fix this swing.
1: <laughs> it it, uh, it has been something to see for for Busby and and also Jackson Luke. I don't what what was the story with Jackson early in the year? I recall preseason talking to meet and you know Jackson's name came up as somebody that uh, you know might be in the mix as a starter, but then we didn't see him really for the first half of the season, and now lo and behold. He looks like he's got a chance to become one of the all-time great hitters here.
3: I think so. I, you know, Between him and, and Cal Raleigh, and I know I know Dylan Busby isn't a freshman, but they really seem to have making, uh, a really talented nucleus. And I, and I know this season is still going on and, and there's still a lot to plan for, but when you think about what the future may hold as those guys continue to develop and get better, it, uh, it actually seems kind of exciting. But going back to this year, you know, I think it's just one of those guys that you know, just took a little while to – to get a hold of things. I mean, we heard that at the beginning of the season. I think that they liked what they had. They liked their newcomers. They thought that it might take them a little while to get into the swing of things, maybe a little longer than, than everybody would have liked. Uh, but I know from the, really from the beginning, Ever, Mike Warren Jr. was saying that, that Jackson Luke was a guy who could, could hit for a tremendous power if he could hit all together. I, 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 I'll talk, uh, I believe it was Jackson Luke who said that he hits him uh, as far when he gets a hold of him as anybody on the team. Now, uh, that's a pretty impressive distinction, for, especially for a guy who, uh, up until recently, hadn't really found much, much of his power. But uh, now that he has, and maybe it's just a result of getting more plate appearances, getting more confidence, just getting more experience, uh, you can see when, when that guy starts to put it together, he's, you're right, it's just a beautiful swing um, and, and really just sort of professional potential when you watch him and his approach to the plate. So, uh, Again, him putting it together, it, it's a really big deal for Florida State uh, this weekend and beyond.
2: All right, soothsayer. So, what's going to happen in Gainesville? I just want to say it's going to be
3: competitive. It's hard for me to predict a a win in the series, although I do think that it's possible. Uh, And and it's really, you know, part of the way this dynamic works. I think it's it's more so because of Florida State playing Florida than if they were to play, you know, Texas A and M or LSU or whoever else. Is if Florida beats Florida State, it's seen as a referendum on the program because. You know, Florida's close, and they're your rival and all that. But the thing about it is, man, Florida's really, really good. Uh, you know, they have three starting pitchers that are all going to be top draft picks. The, the you know, they're, they're two draft eligible guys are both going to be first rounders, uh, and that's just kind of the way the, these things go. And so, just if, if Florida State doesn't win this series, doesn't mean they don't still have a you know a good program or, or something to be excited about for the future. Uh, that said, I do think it's possible. I think it's going to come down to really Florida State starting pitching more than that. I think they're gonna be able to, to hit enough but but you have to have you know assuming that Tyler Holton is your Friday night starter or assuming your Saturday night starter or even your Sunday starter, you know, he has to come out there and give you a quality start. You saw him struggle in the first inning against Southern Miss before settling down. Well if you struggle in the first inning against Florida, you might not get a chance to settle down. So he needs to be the the good Tyler Holton that we saw from the second inning on and, and not the one that, that was a little slow out of the gate. Uh, in the first thing and same thing really for for drew carlton uh uh, the sophomore they need those guys to be good from the beginning because against that lineup there there might not be a second chance but if they can do that uh then there's definitely a chance for the upset
1: well here's where it's interesting that these teams don't play a traditional series during the course of the year because you are looking at different matchups this weekend for the most part I i didn't look at florida's numbers last year to this but if you look at florida states fsu's hitting about 40 points higher this year 35 or 40 i think and their their era is about two tenths of a run lower than last year and the fielding percentage though i think it's slightly better this year i'm not going to tout that as a brag point given the issues they've had so we'll call that one a wash so i
2: guess i'm saying particularly given the fact that florida's the best defensive team in the country yeah well and one of
1: the reasons we one of the reasons for
2: for that uh
1: is that Florida's a power-pitching team. So they've got more strikeouts, so they get a couple more outs every game that are balls that are not put in play. So that certainly helps. But that don't get me wrong. Florida can pick it. They can they can play some great defense. Here, here's some numbers, as long as I'm on the metric kick here, Tim. Historically, the Super Regionals started in 1999. 72% of the Super Regionals have been won by the home team. So that one certainly, and Florida State has gone 0-2 and 0-4 and in Let terms i I'm gonna make a games. note of that. Yes. But but then here's another one, and I didn't I didn't look up who it was. You may know. Again, since '99, only once has the top overall seed in the college baseball bracket actually won the World Series championship, and I need to look up who that was. But it's only happened one time. Meanwhile, ten times an unseeded team has won the national championship, and so that's really I mean where Florida State's got to hang its hat in terms of rallying cry: get hot at the right time, and who knows what
3: happens. Absolutely, and you see it a lot, and. In- you wonder for, for all the teams that, it, that that has worked out for really hasn't worked out for Florida State yet. but what was it a few years ago? Uh, Fresno State and Georgia made it the, the championship round and Fresno State won, even Virginia last year as good as they've been. Uh, last year was was definitely a down year for them before the postseason came. So yeah, we, we've seen in the past, especially you know if you're looking at a team that things, things seem to be coming coming together at the right time. And uh, things, you know, you, you hate to say the the, the cliche of, of peaking at the right time, but but you get the sense that that could be what is happening for Florida State, and, and if so, then you know they have reason to believe this weekend.
2: Question, though, Tim, of Florida starting pitching, how many of them have Florida State faced this year since they were uh, playing midweek games?
3: I, I, I'm not. Sure. I don't think they faced any of them. Um,
2: and see, I, I think I think that's a positive.
3: It can be. It can't be. Now, it
2: didn't work as a positive last year. I understand, but I'm just saying, I mean, particularly with these new kids, they they don't have any reason to be in awe because they've not seen these guys throw. And in like fashion, these guys haven't had to throw against Florida State's guys. I'm I'm jumping on the bandwagon. I understand. Well, I
1: don't disagree. Sometimes it's not being in awe. Sometimes it's the guy just smoked a 96-mile-an-hour fastball right by you. You know what I mean? It didn't have to do with awe. Um, It it will be interesting to see how they – how they handle it. I I do feel like this team turned a corner a little bit and and has a little uh, what for to them now, maybe based on how they played Tim, let's talk softball real quick, because this was a very young Florida state softball team that frankly, I don't know that Lonnie would admit it publicly because obviously the goal is to get out to Oklahoma city. I feel like, you know, in a quiet moment, she might tell you they're a year ahead of schedule that they got out there. And what's really a shame of it is that that first game, they kicked it around so much. Were it not for that, they would have been in the finals because they won the next two games.
3: Yeah, no, and it, it it you, you kind of wonder what would have happened had they won that first game. Now, granted, they would have played a different bracket once they won that game. You would have, I think, gotten Auburn in that second game, and certainly, you know, we've seen the Florida State can match up with Auburn, but that's not a guaranteed victory. But yeah, it's you know you wonder if uh, if they were able to play as sharp as I think they're capable of had things might maybe gone differently, especially because. You know, like you said, with their backs against the wall, they actually played really well and eliminated two really, really good teams. Um, you hate to think this way, but if, if they weren't going to win the national title, I thought that that run went really, really well and, and gave some great experience for all those players because with the exception of a couple seniors, everybody's back. Uh, you're right, in, in a quiet moment and really in a not-so-quiet moment, I think Lonnie's been pretty forthcoming about this. I was going to say, I don't
2: remember Lonnie being quiet. She'll just tell you what's <laughs> on her mind, and, and I mean that in a positive way.
3: You know, she'll tell you that the staff went into this Think that, uh, that, that everything that they got, like she said, everything they got this year was sort of gravy for next year. When I think they they think they can really make their run, they'll have you know, some juniors, will be seniors, some freshmen, sophomores, and so on and so forth. So the fact that they were able to get out there and get this experience uh, was a really good thing. I'm sure they're disappointed with the way it ended, especially because I think at times they'll probably feel like they didn't give themselves the best chance to win with uh, with their errors and, and sometimes some some key bats that didn't go their way, but overall i think the experience is definitely
1: a positive thing the track ncaa championships are this weekend in florida state from a team standpoint are they going to factor at all i know they won't factor at the top but i mean are they top 15 maybe on the women or men's side and then individually is there a chance of a national champion out there stephen britts maybe or i'm not sure who else it might be well
3: the, the problem there is that you know stephen britts i think is having that, that a hamstring issue and not sure if, if he's going to be able to compete i haven't seen the latest on his status, Zach said in the Steeplechase has been uh, right near the top of the ACC. He, he finished, I think, eighth at Nationals last year. So if, if he can uh, you know, improve a little bit, maybe there he has a chance to get on the podium. I'm not sure on team stuff. I think they, they might just not have enough bodies out there to contend near the top, but somewhere in the upper echelon, um, you know, I think they have a chance. But, uh, but like I said I don't know that there's enough, uh, just enough bodies out there to compete for a team championship right now
1: tim superb job as always i trust you're headed to hogtown this weekend
3: i'll be there excellent will you be there? Are you going?
1: I, I will not be there i uh, will well, I, I'll, I'll, i've been there before though on many an occasion <laughs> but this will not be one of them well
3: i'll carry you with me in spirit
1: thank you very even much even if the stadium has part of my name in it
3: <laughs> exactly
1: all right tim lunafelder Seminoles.com insider thanks man all right guys i'll see you A lot to react to there and uh, we'll chew on it uh, when we come back here on the front row
4: We don't need no thought control
0: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District This is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones Presented by Hobson Chevrolet Get your best deal the Hobson way Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones
1: We're back, as mediocre as ever. Tom and Keith, as we continue plowing through this week's edition of the Front Row. Tom I'm, is at the pinnacle of his mediocre career. I've been there for a while, though. I mean, I mean, we you, together. You, you need a have, sherpa. <laughs> together, you and I have have hung on in the in the middle of the pinnacle of these like mediocre like careers. A rusty for some, nail, yeah, exactly.
2: Which is, by the way, is a very good drink. I've been told. Okay, speaking of that.
1: Next time you're at Madison Social, see if they can serve you one. I was just going to mention that our good friends at Madison Social uh, obviously uh, are proud supporters of the program. We appreciate it. And if we have not done a good enough job extolling the virtues of Madison Social and the good time that can be had there, then I'm just going to inform you about the Tallahassee takeover. So pull out the pen or BlackBerry if you're Keith. Pull out your iPhone if you're anybody else. The Tallahassee takeover will take place Saturday, June 25th from 4 to 7 at Madison Social. You know where it is. And this is basically the Jacksonville Jaguars caravan rolling into town. But it's not just the Jaguars. They're bringing every Florida State player on the roster in Jacksonville with them, which if you're listening to this show, you're probably well aware, includes uh, Telvin Smith, Rashad Green, Jalen Ramsey, and uh, Bjorn Werner. So that said, and it's going to be a, so it'll be a good event. It's a free event, four to seven uh, last Saturday in June at Madison Social. Autographs, Q and I'm sure they'll be selling you some season tickets. Which those four names would be a pretty good reason uh, that you a might want to, to sign travel. up and, and head, head, uh, at least buy some some single game tickets and head uh, on I-10 over to Jacksonville to catch some of that. Let's get back to this baseball and softball thing. I, I got to admit something that <clears throat> annoyed me when I heard it. It was during one of the softball games, Keith. Okay, so we know in baseball that florida state unfortunately and this is one of those blessing and a curse things the team that's been to omaha the most without winning at all is fsu baseball so beth moens in the softball game says and i forget how many times the softball team's in there florida state has been to oklahoma city more than any other team without winning the title and i wanted to crawl through the tv screen and i thought well In softball's defense, granted, it wasn't NCAA at the time. I think it was just they did win two national titles that count that Florida State takes in 81 and 82. Anyway, so just add that to the June ire of uh, fans of Florida State. Get back to baseball because this is really what it comes down to for Mike Martin. Uncomfortable conversations the last couple weeks because the baseball team appeared to be trending down. Now things are trending up. If they turn around and lose to Florida, they'll be trending down again, and the detractors for Mike Martin will –
2: point out that it's time I, I disagree with you on one point okay if they lose 13 to 2 and 14 to 4 but if they go down there and lose two games with close ball games then my hat's off to this club from where they've come from and what they've been through and where they finish up if that's the case if they play competitively down there and lose two I got no problem in the world with it Also, in light of the way this team's turned
1: around the last couple weeks, when you look at the nucleus of the team, there's a lot more optimism about what's coming back next year because you've got a a pretty potent offensive lineup and you've got your key pitchers back, all that. This is what I was going to say, and in in some respects, I'm going to take a long way to say this, but if you look at Florida State teams over the years, go back the last 25, 30 years, FSU has done such a good job hosting regionals And the fan experience, the home field advantage is very, very strong, and the animals get a big credit for that. But there's probably years that lesser Florida State teams have won enough games during the season to justify hosting a regional, and then being exposed a little bit as you get to this level in the postseason. I don't know. This year's team might be an example. Uh, You know, if this year's team doesn't get the home field edge that it gets, maybe they don't win a series against Louisville. Maybe they don't. Maybe they end up going on the road. Anyway, bottom line. So they they do enough. They win the regional. Now you're in the super regional round. And I think anybody would agree, maybe not within Dick Houser Stadium and in that locker room and clubhouse, but nationally and even on the FSU beat, yes, FSU has a chance this weekend, but they're clearly the underdogs this weekend. I mean, is there anybody that's going to say FSU is the favorite this weekend and thus if you don't win, you underachieved on that? I mean, I think this is not getting into the recruiting issues and why doesn't Florida State have more 95 mile per hour arms and that sort of thing so i guess i'm saying that you look at it it's it's the cycle just keeps repeating and it and it and it uh, florida state feeds on it and it's a great thing in florida state nobody does better in the regionals than fsu when
2: well, you've got the metric at the super regional level 72 percent winning percentage right home team advances to college world series
1: however if you look at fsu's track record in home super regionals they've hosted 10 of them And they're five and five. So nationally, 72%. Florida State, when it's been home for the Supers, not the case this weekend, is five and five. And you can debate, they got screwed one year, Texas came in, Notre Dame got lucky, whatever it is. I think that's one of the things where you look at it and you say, well, you're there enough times. If nationally, they're going 72%, how come you're only going this? But in the grand scheme of things, that's really when one or two more series, and you're right on the average. On the road, FSU's 0-4 in the Supers and by default the other half of that number 28 percent of the time the road team wins so if fsu had won one super out of the four which they were right in it against georgia in that first one they would be right about at the national average i don't know we can have fun with these numbers all day long but uh that doesn't change the fact that florida's a pretty good club this week and that fsu's going liars to
2: figure and figures lie and then there's accountants nationally though <laughs>
1: You want to just take the stage for a little bit? No, I'm just in one of those moods. You are. You were in a good mood when we got here. I I still don't know why. Was it the 10 days at the beach? I I guess. That was it. It wasn't seeing me and Tom again. It it definitely was not that. Yeah. It was probably the Sherpa. I will say that, you know, nationally, Florida State has played in more super regional games than anybody and more super regionals. This is the 14th time in 17 years. Uh, And so that's a great thing. But then if you don't go on and advance all those times, it becomes something that's used against you, if you will, which I hate for Mike Martin because, to me, there's nothing better than the model of consistency. Let's take Virginia. Virginia won the title last year. Virginia won 38 games this year and lost a regional they hosted at home, So, which is more typical of what most North Carolina played in the finals two years in a row. Now they've been missing the postseason a couple years in a row. So everybody else has a lot more peaks and valleys. And Mike Martin in Florida State, they just keep going right along. And when they dip, the dip is still pretty high. And when they peak, it's even higher. Obviously,
2: I, I for one, and, and this is probably a result of age and getting older, is the, the consistency to me becomes a much bigger factor because everybody can catch fire for ten ball games on any you know in one year. You know, you hit it just right at your your conference tournament, and then regional, super regional, and, and out and and the college world series. And, and I don't take any championship away from a team that did that. But to consistently get there, to consistently win, to have those type of numbers from a percentage standpoint, I, you know, uh, just speaks volumes to your program. Uh, I think you're exactly right. In, 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 in college baseball, much more than uh, at the major league level, home field advantage is just huge. And certainly the Gators will have that you know, down at McKeithen uh, coming up this weekend. But again, I go back to my point I made with Tim, and I don't know the relevance of it, but, you know, playing baseball in high school, which was the only level that I played at, I love going up against pitchers I had never seen before because they don't know me. And, and, and therefore, I don't have any reason to fear them. I don't have any expectation. And I, I just can't help but feel, feel, at least in a three-game set, Florida State has a, a mental or psychological advantage having not faced that Florida starting pitching. Now, I may be completely wrong, but that's my opinion.
1: Let me amend a, a statistic I shared. It's actually counting this year, 15 out of 18 years they've been in the Supers, updating from 14 out of 17. So yeah, the numbers are, are certainly quite impressive, and uh, we'll see how FSU shakes out this weekend. There's more to chew on on this. You mentioned facing these pitchers for the first time that to me is where you you wonder how much the approach will change because if you've got guys who pound the zone you can't take too many pitches otherwise you're in a hole that you can't climb out of so let's let's chat about that we continue here on the front row wake
0: up maggie i think i got something to say to you it's late september and i You're listening to The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at The Front Row at 979ESPNRadio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. We welcome you
1: back to the front row. We come your way each and every Wednesday right here on 97.9. Tom and Keith back with you. Big week for Florida State baseball, uh, our big weekend this past weekend, and another big one coming up as FSU is in the Super Regionals yet again, 15 out of 18 years. A big reason why the Knolls have moved on this year is a guy who joins us now, Taylor Walls, sophomore shortstop. Taylor, how are you?
4: Good, man, good.
1: Congratulations. We're a day late on this, but – all American honors uh, came your way yesterday. Just the third shortstop in FSU history to be so honored. Uh, the first one, by the way, his name is on the stadium there. So you're in pretty select company. Congratulations!
4: Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm just, you know, honored to be even in the same category as those two guys. And- just to to be able to put my name next to him is just you know a true blessing, and I'm just very thankful
1: for that. The other All American shortstop is Stephen uh, Cardulo, by the way. More recently, in the last six or eight years or so, separate the statistics. For you personally, you know, where are you improved? Where do you is it uh, mentally? Are you more comfortable? I mean, just a- across the board. Don't I don't want to hear about the numbers. I just want to hear how you feel that you've improved from last year to this.
4: Um. I feel I've definitely improved mentally. It's, it's been a lot in my approach and, you know, how I just come into every game versus last year. You know, I was coming in with a lot of pressure on myself, and this year I just came in relaxed, just trying to have fun and make everybody around me better.
2: Speaking of that mental part, K.J. here, talk a little bit about this team's mental – I'm going to call it a change over the last couple of three weeks from uh, – a little bit hesitant, To You guys are playing with a great deal of confidence now. What's that locker room like?
4: Um, the locker room is definitely a fun place to be right now, you know, with the way things are going. It's always a good place to be in, you know, with all the teammates and all the positive energy. But, you know, when we were struggling, we all stuck together. You know, it's baseball. It's going to happen. We, are, we were putting ourselves in position to win. We were, you know, just not coming through. And that's baseball. You know, we knew, we knew we believed in ourselves, and we knew we had the team to – beat anybody at any given time so now i think things are finally clicking it's just a fun place to be
1: well this year the road to omaha goes the same exact direction it did a year ago as you're going to go to gainesville this weekend what's different that you see right now from the 2016 seminoles compared to last year's squad
4: um this team definitely has more confidence you know we're definitely coming coming into this series you know with the mindset of we can win this thing And we don't want to just, you know, we're not trying to look past this, but, you know, we take it Saturday at 6, and once we're done with that game, we'll take it Sunday at 6. So we're not going to change our approach, look forward to anything, or, you know, change anything that we've been doing. We're just going to go out there, have fun, play together, and, you know, the outcome's the outcome.
2: Taylor, you're going to be facing a, a starting pitching staff. Uh, you, you know the statistics, and I know meets talked to you uh, individually and collectively about what the Florida hurlers can do. But you guys haven't faced their weekend group, and though they are characterized as being first round draft picks and they throw the ball hard, I'm always of the opinion that that first time facing a pitcher, uh, I, I think the advantage goes to the batter. What are your thoughts?
4: Um, it, I I have to agree with you there. You know, I mean. Definitely, we're going to have our hands full with their pitching staff. They have a wonderful pitching staff, probably one of the best in the nation. And I just feel like we have one of the best hitting staff in the nation. So we just need to come out there prepared to play, do our research, just stay comfortable, and you know, just just have good at bats. You know, just put pressure on them. And I think we'll be all right.
1: You, you mentioned that you know you, you don't change your approach. I am curious, though, at bat to at bat, if you're facing a, a staff that pounds the zone. And I know that Florida State uh, traditionally, I mean, you guys, Mike Meat works with you tremendously about, you know, you're swinging at pitches that are in your hitting zone. You know, don't reach for bad pitches, don't overextend, that sort of thing. But when you face a staff that's going to pound the zone, if you take too many pitches, you're 0-2 before you know it. So what, you know, mentally, what does change as you get into the box against a a team that you know is going to throw strikes?
4: Um, Our mentality is a lot, you know, to to see a lot of pitches, work counts, you know, and try and try and get counts into your favor. But if we do research and we see that a pitcher pounds the zone a lot, and doesn't walk a, walk a lot of people, then we're not always going to be in that that same mentality. I mean, that mentality doesn't apply to every game or every pitcher. It just usually, I mean, applies to the ones that we feel like maybe struggle with walks here and there, or you know maybe, you know, have a tough time when runners get on base or, or something like that, you know. I mean, that, that's not a, a, I guess, set in stone mentality we have for every single game. But it's just according to, you know, who's on the mound and, you know, may, maybe freshman, sophomore, what year he's in, you know, just just factors like that.
1: What, it seems like it was a factor last week, though. I mean, Southern Miss even commented after the game that, you know, we threw pitches that most opposition was swinging at and FSU didn't. So was that sort of the book as you guys went in or the plan there with them?
4: Um, yeah that was definitely in the plan there you know we knew we knew that they might not have had a crowd like we have and we're blessed to have you know the fans we have behind us you know, we were just going to wait and see how they responded to a crowd like ours and the environment we have here and I guess it, it just happened to work out for us
1: I got a question uh in terms of your approach at the plate you know you're a switch hitter so I'm curious when that got started what's your natural uh, inclination there and and you know that's twice as much time in the cage and preparation and that sort of thing to to be proficient at it.
4: Uh, yeah, that's definitely. Um, I think I started around the age of I don't know, like three or four. I can't even, I can't even remember. My dad used to tell me I used to go out in the yard and swing the wrong way, and so eventually, when I started getting older, he he taught me to to swing my natural side, which was right-handed, and so I guess eventually growing up through my through my years, I guess I just happened to keep up the left-handed swing and just practice both of them but yes it does take a lot of work and you know I'm just very thankful that I've had the opportunity to
2: have the skill so so you're a natural right-handed hitter do, do you have more confidence from the right side or the left or, or have you developed an equal mentality there
4: um i have a, i definitely would say i have an equal mentality you know my my confidence really doesn't change whether it's from the left or right side However, statistics might say that i hit better from the left side but I feel comfortable from both ways, and you know, I, I feel like that's just that's the the best thing you can do is just have confidence and feel comfortable, and you know, the results will turn out whatever they will be determined.
1: Taylor, one of the stats, I mean, we could tout the offensive numbers and where you rank there, but I, as I was doing a little research you've started uh you know every game of your two-year career so durability is key I hesitate to ask this because I don't know the answer to it but uh, is it safe to assume it's been a long time since you missed a game period at any level
4: <laughs> yeah that's, that's true I mean I don't I don't know dating back to high school if I've ever missed one so I mean yeah that that has been a big thing I've been keeping up with though I, that's one of the goals I want to accomplish when I leave here is to play every single game I, I have the opportunity to play.
1: Well, Cal Ripken, uh, you know, for shortstop, sort of wrote the book on that one. Who was your baseball idol growing up?
4: Um, you know, I'm from South Georgia, so I was a pretty big Braves fan. I'd have to say I looked at Raphael for a call or Chipper Jones, probably Chipper Jones.
1: Yeah, you got to go chipper over Raphael for call there. I mean, with, <laughs> with, with due respect, understanding the position and all that. Uh, so where did your affinity, you said South Georgia, so that's not too far from Tallahassee, Crisp County High School. Uh, I imagine there's, there's plenty of Seminoles in that area. Did you grow up an FSU fan, or when did the connection get started between you and Florida State?
4: Um, I actually grew up a Georgia fan. A lot of people are you know, dogs there. But I grew up, I really got to, to know Meat when I was about a sophomore when he was recruit me and everything. And eventually it just took off from there. I just came here. I've never visited Florida State until I think my junior year. Came here, fell in love with the campus, you know, just loved everybody here, loved the atmosphere, loved the fans, you know, loved the coaching staff. Just the bond that the players had in the locker room, just wanted to be a part of it. Uh,
2: for those that don't keep up with things, give us a little uh, idea of the itinerary of uh, practice and workouts and when you'll head down to Gainesville and, and how to, how's this weekend going to shape out?
4: um i'm not sure yet what time we leave but i'm sure it's going to be some thursday i think but you know just just right now we're we're trying going out there getting better every day you know working out working out hard but not you know overworking ourselves we're going out there you know taking ground balls doing the little things we need to work on you know as a team taking a lot of reps swinging and and live reps off the bat you know just just everyday tune up things, just to make sure that we're ready and make sure that we're also our bodies are feeling the way they need to be feeling. Come Saturday.
1: A couple more questions. We'll let you get going. We're talking with Taylor Walls, who was just named an All American yesterday. Taylor, I I think you played summer ball last year in, in uh, Alaska. What was that experience like?
4: Man, that was one of the funnest times I've ever had. <laughs> Those people out there are amazing, man. They, you know, it's just a fun place to be. Every it's just like a it's like a big small community. Everybody knows each other. It's, I mean, it's just a, a very fun place to be. Weather's amazing. Never gets dark, though.
1: Yeah, um, the that's what I was going to say. Did that bother you? I mean, you can't turn the light off there. The sun's just <laughs> up. The whole time you're there, you never saw dark.
4: <laughs> it was it was very unique, I'd, I'd say, or uh, describe it as. I mean, I'd be up at 1 o'clock in the morning look outside, and it looks like it's about 7 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm like, man, I need to get to sleep, and I just couldn't sleep. Luckily, our host family put us in a basement. It was a nice basement, but put us in a basement so we didn't have any windows or anything, so it was pretty dark. So
2: that well, was, well that sometime was when you've uh, got time to waste, Tom and I will tell you about our trip to Alaska. and yeah, involved moose. we won't do that right now. <laughs> uh, do you know where you're playing summer ball this
1: year yet? Not, um, not that you're thinking about that at this moment, I know. Yeah,
4: I'm I'm not really thinking about that too much right now, but I have a, a couple options that I'm thinking about. But as of now, I'm going to play in the Cape with the hyenas.
1: Well, g- g- congratulations on that. Hopefully uh, you don't get to show up in the Cape until about the last uh, couple days of June and there's an Omaha run involved. Uh, best of luck this weekend in Gainesville. Congratulations on your success. And uh, I-, I know when you look around, uh, the-, the bulk of this team is pretty young. The pitching staff's coming on. So I know there's a lot of reason to be in- enthused and excited right now about this Florida State baseball team. Definitely, definitely. Thank you all. All right, Taylor Walls, Florida State starting shortstop from cordial georgia all american all american yeah i don't want to i didn't want to ask him too much about dick hauser there but i if memory serves dick hauser is the first all-american in florida state baseball history i believe
2: that's correct and uh, i actually had the occasion to get to know coach hauser a little bit at the tail end of my playing career and a story for another day, but he actually asked me to come out and try out for baseball. Oh, and, we can't table and that until another day. We can and and maybe then dang, the George numbers. Steinbrenner, George Steinbrenner, hires him back to the Yankees, and this guy I don't know named Mike Martin is the head coach, and there went my baseball career. And Mike didn't invite you to try out for baseball. And there you have, you've been bitter ever since. Not bitter. Annoyed to use your word.
1: <laughs> All right, we'll come back and wrap up on the front row right after this. I feel like there's more digging we could do on this topic.
0: Listening to the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979 ESPNradio.com. Here's Tom and Keith.
1: I didn't want to interrupt the interview and Taylor's comments there, but did you notice, Keith, that he said it'd be one o'clock in the morning and I'd look outside and the sun was shining like it was seven o'clock in the afternoon. And I wanted to jump in and say, oh, to be in college again, where 7 o'clock was
2: the afternoon. <laughs> Not the end of the line for me. I mean, it's the end of the show, and that's about it. So if, you don't have don't, by, if you don't have dinner by 7 o'clock, I, I sure, don't, you're in an annoyed mood. I don't have
1: much in the tank left after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we appreciate Taylor joining us and John Cole from Florida State. How about, to how about this, something up.
2: They, they, the part that he didn't necessarily talk about when you were asking him about what are you going to do the rest of the summer? I mean, his answer demonstrates he hasn't really thought much about what he's going to do the rest of the summer. Yeah. His attention is what's going on right now. Yeah, although he did let it out that he's got an opportunity to play in the
1: Cape, which is where you want to play if you're, you know. Also, probably a complete different experience than spending last summer in Alaska. Good deal. It'll get dark up there. (laughs) Good point. Yeah. but Taylor has really played, you know, I think when a guy goes from a freshman to a sophomore and he started every game, you expect some improvement. I don't know that you expect 100-point improvement, which is what he was able to do. Then you look at Dylan Busby, who all of a sudden has, you know, developed this power. And then you look at uh, behind the plate and Cal Raleigh, and you look at Jackson Luke. I mean, that's a pretty strong nucleus coming back. There's not much, pending how the draft shakes out, that's that's going to be gone from this team next year.
2: And an interesting part about that, going back to Florida's pitching versus Florida State's hitting. You and I were talking during the break. It's, again, my opinion. If you've been taught to be patient, because you're not born patient. You have to be taught to be patient. If you've been taught to be patient and you go into a situation like Taylor was talking about where you know they're throwing strikes, turning that loose and getting aggressive, in other words, going from patience to aggression, is much easier than going from aggression to patience. And if their game plan, depending on who's throwing and what their, what their thoughts are, is to go in and maybe not—I'm not saying they should be swinging at the first pitch every time—but it's to be more aggressive. Then, then that's an easier transition for a team that's been taught to be patient, in my opinion. We need to have Mike Junior on sometime to to
1: walk us through—not in the middle of the season, but to take us through that approach more because it's a it's a misnomer out there that Florida State's told to take X amount of pitches. Uh, you know, really, what they're coached to do is everybody has a sweet spot and it's different for everybody. And so if you got a pitch in your sweet spot, take it, take it. And if it's not, and if it's not, even, it if, even if it's a strike, let bef- it go. before you have two strikes, even if it's a strike, let, let it let go, go. Because the way your swing is, all you, you can, can do is pop it up or send it to right field. Good or with it. Yeah. And Mike would do a much better, meet would do a much better job articulating that than uh, what we just did. All right, Keith, it's been fun as always. Um, we'll do this again next week. Will my Sherpa be here? <laughs> I make no promises. Understood. Uh, hopefully it'll be a good weekend for Florida State baseball. Folks, thanks for uh, tuning in. Spread the word. We'll talk to you next week. So long, everybody.